0: Om namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya We're reading from the 3rd canto of Shrimad Bhagavatam entitled the status quo and we're on chapter number 3 Vidura's Talks with Maitreya. World chapter, uh, text number 46. Pane na te deva Pati loveya bodham, yatanjasaan viyu akuntadishyam, Dishnyam na te deva katha shudhaya, pravridha bhaktya ye. By Rogya Sharam, that he loved your bodhom, your Akunta Others chant, please. Ladies Panena, by drinking. you Deva, O Lord. Kata, topics. Sudhaya of the nectar. Pravridha, highly enlightened. Bhaktia, by devotional service. Vishada, Ashaya with a greatly serious attitude. Yea, those who, by Raja-Sharam, the, Raja the entire purport of renunciation. Pralabhya, achieving. achieving. Bodham, intelligence. Achieving. yata as much as. Anjasa, quickly. Anviyu, achieve. Akunta Dishnyam Vaikunta Loka in the Spiritual Sky. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. O oh Lord, persons who, because of their serious attitude, attain the stage of enlightened devotional service, achieve the complete meaning of renunciation and knowledge, and attain the Vaikunta Loka in the Spiritual Sky, simply by drinking the nectar of your topics. Please repeat. O Lord, persons who, who because because of their serious attitude, attain the stage of enlightened devotional service, service, achieve the complete meaning meaning of renunciation and knowledge, and attain the Vaikunta Loka in the spiritual sky simply by drinking the nectar of your topics. The difference between the impersonalistic mental speculators and the pure devotees of the Lord is that the former pass through a miserable understanding of the absolute truth at every stage whereas the devotees enter into the kingdom of all pleasures even from the beginning of their attempt. The devotee has only to hear about devotional activities which are as simple as anything in ordinary life and he also acts very simply whereas the mental speculator has to pass through a jugglery of words which are partially facts and partially a make show for the maintenance of an artificial impersonal status. In spite of his strenuous efforts to attain perfect knowledge, the impersonalist attains merging into the impersonal oneness of the Brahmajyoti of the Lord, which is also attained by the enemies of the Lord, simply because of their being killed by him. The devotees, however, attain to the highest stage of knowledge and renunciation and achieve the Vipunta lokas the planets in the spiritual sky. The impersonalist attains only the sky and does not achieve any tangible transcendental bliss, whereas the devotee attains to the planets where real spiritual life prevails. With a serious attitude, the devotee throws away all achievements like so much dust, and he accepts only devotional service, the transcendental culmination. <clears throat> so this is another wonderful uh, Bhagavatam chapter. Here we have Vidura is, uh, first of all, in the first part of the chapter, talking to Maitreya and he's gone to Maitreya for enlightenment. And uh, we all know Vidura's position. Vidura was originally, in his previous birth, he was Yama, Yamaraj. And uh, actually, uh, when Yamaraj was born, he was a twin. He has a twin sister. Raise your hand if you know who his twin sister, Yama's twin sister. You know his twin sister. His twin sister was the River Yamuna. And they called them, uh, when they were kids, they called them Yama and Yami. Yama's Yamaraj Yami was Yamuna. And they were were twins. Imagine that. Who would think, you know, the River Yamuna. And uh, then, of course, later he fell into his role as Yamaraj, having to deal with so many miscreants, and what a what a job, you know, what a thankless task. <laughs> oh my gosh. And um, so he had was judging uh, Mandavya Muni one time, and he found, you know, Mandavya Muni did so much, uh, you know, pious activities. He was a, a Muni, disseminating transcendental knowledge to people, but when he was a child, he had, uh, taken a spear of grass and killed some insect you know. so Yamaraj called him to task for that and he said you're going to have to suffer for that and when W. Mooney became livid he said what? he said nobody ever punishes a child for doing something because children don't know right from wrong he said and look at what I've done after you know in my, my many 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 years after that I never did anything like that you know, I, this is nonsense. This is bogus. You shouldn't be cursing. I'm going to curse you. He, 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 okay, you he let a little Crota overtake him. <laughs> and um, to, uh, <laughs> um, so, the Prophet says that Crota is the, uh, the younger, brother. younger brother of Kama. Yeah. Younger brother, Kamakrota. Uh So he so said, I'm going to curse you. You're going to have to take birth from a shudra. So, uh, so be it. So that's what happened. So what happened, uh, Vidura actually, uh, he took birth in, uh, from a shudra mother. She was actually the maidservant of the queen, but she was, you know, Shudra caste. And and the most illustrious father on the planet. You know. And uh, and his two elder brothers were the kings, and here he was, his his, mother of the Shudra. So uh, his father, of course, Krishna Yas, Srila Vyasadeva, you know, and literary incarnation of Godhead, you know. That was his father. So so it wasn't actually, from being, it wasn't really a curse in a sense. I mean, it was a real blessing that he got to. And why also he got to participate in the pastimes, the divine pastimes of Lord Sri Krishna while he was on uh, on the planet. So it was actually turned out to be a benediction to him. But, uh, But the curse, you know was fulfilled that way. So, um, so here um, Vidura is speaking with Maitreya for the first half of the chapter, and then what happens is that uh, Deva Utu, the, a, a whole group of demigods appears on the scene, and they happen to be the controlling deities of the physical elements uh, from the sky down to the earth. And they're coming to offer prayers to the Lord. So here, this verse is one of their prayers. So that's... um, uh, So uh, I I thought it was uh, very amazing the way that Prabhupada says that. The devotees attain, you know, the spiritual planets where the Lord is enacting his pastimes and uh, the Maya bodies only get the sky. <laughs> oh, it. So, uh, we have a lot of different things to speak about. Srila uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur Swami Prabhupada today. So I'm going to stop the Bhagavatam here, and uh, if anybody has anything to add, we'll go on to... Uh,
1: speak
0: about silamakti saranta saraswati takur maharaj Prabhupada. so um 150 years born in 1874. this is 2024 it's 150 years and um and I wanted to uh, just I have a couple chapters in uh, this Bhakti Siddhanta Vibabv, Holiness uh, Swami <clears throat> that we're going to speak about. and I also wanted to say just a couple things from uh, Surya Siddhanta uh, which was his, uh, his book that he translated and edited but this is uh, Thanks to Pushkar Prabhu for this book. It's his book, but he let me—he's letting me use it for the last ten years because I use it. <laughs> um, okay. So, some—I uh, don't think that maybe they spoke about this in the last few days, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Maybe not. Um, So sometimes people wonder, you know, why is Prabhupada so adamant about building this, um, the TOVP, Temple of the Vedic Planetarium? A planetarium, why, you know? And um, Prabhupada felt strongly that he is Guru Maharaj. Prasad, Siddhanta Saraswati's version of Surya Siddhanta, would prove valuable for designing a Vedic planetarium of the universe. Um, and uh, so he was... a couple of things. Um, Siddhanta Saraswati was offered a chair in astronomy because, of course, he was Jyotish before he got into his 100% full-time preaching at the University of Calcutta. So, but he declined it. Um, so, in other words, they were offering him to be a, a, a full professor there, you know, but he declined it. And then he was employed by the royal kings of Tripura for 10 years, from 1895 to 1905. Um, and they wanted him to stay, but but he didn't, you know. Okay, so, this is the foreword to this book, and it's written by His Holiness Bhaktivikas Swami. Beginning um, with, he studied at the age of 11, to study Jyotish, and he grasped it so thoroughly at age 11 that he quickly outstripped many savants with decades of experience. In 1888, at the age of 14, he started translating from Sanskrit to Bengali, the two astronomical treatises, uh, Siddhanta Shiromani and Surya Siddhanta. And so he started in 1888, and he completed one of them in 1893. So that one took him five years, and the other one in 1896. The Surya Siddhanta, that took him eight years to do. So, where did he get um, his title, Siddhanta Saraswati? Recognizing his extraordinary proficiency and contributions in both the Eastern and Western systems of astrology and astronomical calculations. Specifically for his initial unpublished work on Surya Siddhanta, his tutors, Pandit Mahesh Chandra Tudamani and Pandit Sundaralau, conferred upon him the title Sri Siddhanta Saraswati when he was just 15 years old. Amazing. Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, the successor of Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who fulfilled his desire by spreading his message throughout the world, wanted to establish the Vedic cosmographical view in opposition to that of current empiric science. This was part of a broader strategy to demonstrate Vedic knowledge as perfect and applicable in all circumstances, and the much lauded contemporary scientific agglomerate as fundamentally flawed and insufficient. So that's one of Prabhupada's main reasons for wanting, being so strongly uh, fixed on building the TOVP. So, uh, the uh, chapters that I was assigned to read are the first one is the, uh, the Gaudiya Muth. And Śrīla Bhakti Siddhānta Saraswati established over 60 Gaudiya moth branches, which, I mean, it's an amazing number when you consider that back then, what did, you know, to communicate between the muts, what did they have? They didn't have internet, of course. They didn't have cell phones. In fact, they hardly had phones at that time. Telephones were just coming in, like around the 1920s, being standardized in, in all businesses and things. They were just starting, barely. And who knows, they may, they may or they may not have even had a phone in the muts. Probably not, but you don't know. I don't know. But uh, what did they have? They had telegrams. And they had the mail. The mail system, uh, to my understanding, in India wasn't so uh, great at that time uh, as it is now. Put it that way. And uh, so, so he had, but he had 60 months to run. And amazing. I think it's astounding, actually. And. He wanted the renunciants and the householders to execute the five primary activities of Shuddha Bhakti as enunciated by Lord Chaitanya, which are what? Sadhu Sangha, Nam Kirtan, Bhagavat Shravana, Mathuravas, Sri Murtina, Shradhaya Savana. What does it mean? Associated with devotees, chanting the holy names, hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, residing at Matra, worshipping the deity with faith. These five are the best limbs of sadhana. Even a slight performance of these five awakens Krishna Prema. And Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati stated that the four tasks given by Lord Chaitanya to Sanatana Goswami, which were rediscovering and reviving lost holy places, preaching bhakti-siddhanta, establishing Vaishnava behavior in society, and revealing service to deities, were also bequeathed to himself and his followers. And so by performing these activities during this lifetime, devotees can achieve Lord Chaitanya's blessings for the next lifetime. <clears throat> when he uh, inaugurated his Sri Sanatan Gaudiya in Banaras, <clears throat> Varanasi, on the river Ganga. Um, he chanted this sloka, Bharate Bhumite Hoila Manusha Janmayar Janmasar Takakorikara para Upakar. One who has taken birth as a human being in Bharata Varsha should make his life successful and work for the benefit of others. So he stated that he founded this mutt for that purpose, to practice and preach Sanatan Gaudiya Vaishnava Dharma. He, uh, he was giving a lecture in 1933, and he was recalling Uh, In the early days, when he was at the Yoga Pete, he uh, was uh, chanting chanting, uh, one billion names, one billion holy names. It took him a uh, a little over nine years and four months to do it. So he would chant three lakh holy names daily. One lakh is 100,000. Um, and, and incredibly, he was chanting on the same Japamala that his father, Srila Takur, Thakur, had done the same thing in his youth. He also chanted one billion names. So when he was recalling his lone struggle in the early days at the yoga peak, Srila Bhaktisodanta remarked in a 1933 lecture, Sri Gora Sundar has sent hundreds of qualified persons to help me now, every one of whom is competent to fulfill the manobhishta of Sri Gora Sundar." So he was so thankful for all the uh, disciples that had come to him. <clears throat> Despite its regimented character, the Gaudiya Math had no written constitution or charter, nor a defined polity. Sri Saraswati Thakur was referred to as its president, Acharya, and Kunja Bihari Prabhu as its secretary. Although neither function bore a defined portfolio, being the Math-rakshaka of Sri Gaudiya Math, Kunjabihari Bihari Prabhu oversaw the Mutt Rakshaka of each other Mutt and was himself overseen by Śrīla Saraswati Thakur, who, although delegating most details of day-to-day administration to him and other leading disciples, kept abreast of and was involved in the working of the institution. The Gaudiya Moth was declared the instrument and counterpart of His Divine Grace, Parabrajacharya Acharya Sri Srimad Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Goswami Maharaj. It lives and moves and has its being in the founder Acharya and is identical with its founder Acharya. The associates, followers and abode of His Divine Grace are limbs of Himself. <coughs> All procedures and undertakings of the Gaudiya Moth are rooted in eternal principles through the medium of Srila Siddhanta Saraswati, the current link in the chain of spiritual preceptors. So this is the daily schedule that they had. So every morning at four o'clock, there was a large bell that rung to woke all the... Uh, mutt Vasis wake everybody up, and after bathing and dressing, they would. This is before Mangalarti. They did not sing the Guruvashtika during Mangalarti. They sang it before. That's what it says here. Um, they were congregationally sing Guru by Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, and then Vaishnava Vandana by Devaki Nandandas, which offers respects to all Vaishnavas, and then Guru Sri Guru Parampara, Srila Saraswati Thakur's composition describing the Brahma-Madhva-Gaudiya Brahma, succession. <clears throat> the utterance of which fulfilled the requirement that every disciple within every sampradaya must early each morning recite the names of prominent Acharyas in the Parampara, from its inception to the present. So, okay, so he made, so they chanted the whole Parampara. I thought that, I thought that was very, you know, nice thing to do. Um, Then the, uh, they read a little bit of Sri Chaitanya Bhagwat for a few minutes. Then they had Mangalarti at 4.30. So they did all that before Mangalarti. Then this was followed by Mangalarti at 4.30. Attend- attendance was compulsory. Um, during Mangalarti, the first prayer sung was Sri Labhakti was Arti Kirtan, beginning Bhalegora Gora. Gadadharara Arti Nehari. You probably know that one. But I don't think most of us probably don't. Um, followed by Srila Bhaktivinoda's Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu, Jivadaya Kari, the opening prayer of Sharanagati. Then Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu, Nityananda Sri Advaita Srivas Adigora Bhaktivinoda was chanted once or twice. And for the remaining few minutes, the mahamantra. <clears throat> Next, the parakram of the deities performed four times. They would circumambulate the deities four times with kirtan. And then, uh, Tulsi Arati, they would serve breakfast between seven and eight, though some devotees skipped this. And seven, by 7.30, most of the devotees went out for bhiksha, and they didn't come back until noon. By bhiksha, it means that they actually went door to door, um, begging alms and telling the people some uh, transcendental shlokas for their enlightenment and uh you know doing some preaching and um so there was boga at midday and i mean boga was being offered at midday oh when the, while it was being offered they sang boga arti song is that over RT. And then uh, they also sang Yasomati Nandan at that time. And then each afternoon from two until three, they had an Ishtagoshti. And they could ask any questions. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Takur was usually there. And question and answer session. I'm sorry? Every day, whenever you say every Yeah, every day. It says each afternoon, from 2 until 3, they assemble for Ishtagoshti. After dark, they had to remain within the compound and they would attend evening RT. Two RT kirtans of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. First Jaya Jaya Gorachandra, RT Kshava, and then Jaya Radha Krishna Yugala Milana. Okay, and uh, and then Hari Kata, given by Śrīla Saraswati Thakur, or some other leading devotee. And they also had a lot of visitors, local Grihasta disciples. I, Śrīla Bhaktisiddhānta Saraswati Thakur instructed that all the devotees should attend the morning and evening RTs. <coughs> And uh, at nine o'clock, everybody again honored Prashadam. Says uh, very late, but mm. okay. Interest. I thought this was very interesting. <laughs> just a little, a small note, but like most people in India at that time, generally, Godiamath brahmacharis did not wear shoes. So that means nobody wore shoes. Interesting. And, um, oh, of course, I mean, it goes without speaking. There there were no ladies living in the mutts ever. Uh, it's not you know, Prabhupada was the one that introduced what we would call Brahmacharinis, you know, what we call Brahmacharinis. Of course, I mean, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur had female disciples. I mean, even Srila uh, Prabhupada's sister Pishima was his disciple. But uh, they always lived under the care of either their fathers or their husbands, you know. Uh, they were lived at home. You know, they didn't live in the mud. And, um, and even uh, in a different part of the book, it, it's telling about a lot of times during his lectures, if the ladies came to listen, they would they would be sitting behind a screen. They wouldn't just be, you couldn't just see them, you know? I and mean, it's just, it was strict. I mean, that was the way that uh, you know, at the time, it it had started with the Victorian, you know, era. was like that. Certain strict rules. And then, you know, continuing on. But that's, yeah. For us, it sounds kind of different or maybe too strict, I don't know. But that's the way that it was back then. You know. Like, I mean, back then, I mean, in the in the 1800s and in the, even sometimes in the early 1900s, but especially in the 1800s, for example, if, um, if a, a lady ever got oh, you know pregnant uh, out of wedlock without being married, a lot of times the family would actually just pack her off. They'd, they'd send some old aunt with her and they'd like f- hundreds of miles away from them to a different town, city or town. And they, they would support her maybe, but they would never see her again. That's the way that it was. It was considered such a scandal. So imagine now, you know. It's so different now, you know. So, they're talking about… Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati generally kept his face clean-shaven. He had his scalp shaved monthly on Purnima. Some of his matvasis prefer to maintain some hair. It says, neatly oiled and combed. Okay, Srila Saraswati Thakur never corrected them for that, but if other disciples objected or raised the subject, he would remark, they are babu brahmacharis. Okay, down here there's a note. Babu may mean simply a respected person, but in this usage, it denotes a well-to-do householder, fond of opulent attire, and provender. I don't even know what provender means, but... There's some words in here that I don't know. (sighs) The dynamism of the mutts. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was the first Gaudi Acharya to establish mutts along the line of those founded by Acharyas Shankar and Madva, as monastic seminaries with emphasis on scriptural training and also incorporating deity service. I didn't realize that he was the first one to do that. Wow. <clears throat> And he would quote, Mutt means a place wherein reside persons desirous to learn the ultimate purpose of life. A temple of instruction is called a Mutt. He gave the analogy of the Gaudiya Hospital, wherein Harinam was the medicine and Mahaprasad the diet, and whose inmates were both to undergo and administer treatment. He said, one who has life can preach. He expected mutt Vossies to be surrendered, dedicated, detached, joining him in sacrificing their soul for establishing and spreading the mission. He did not want to be surrounded by obsessive psychophants, <laughs> flaccid sentimentalists, or sluggish procrastinators nor to produce the kind of sedentary sadhus who, for fear of Maya, retreat to mountain caves. He considered it insufficient that his disciples be cherubic sadhus, or mere pundits, or content simply with archana. He wanted men of backbone, active preachers like himself, ready to give their lives for propagating Shuddha Bhakti. He declared, I wish that every selfless, tender-hearted member of the Gaudiya Mutt be prepared to shed 200 gallons of blood for the nourishment of the spiritual body of every individual in human society. Uh, Srila Saraswati Thakur would keep his disciples busy in diverse seva, uh, archana, cooking, cleaning, typesetting, lecturing, writing, soliciting funds, all for the pleasure of Krishna. There was no room in the mutt for indolence or complacency. The mutt vasis slept meagerly they rarely slept over four hours. Very impressive to me. My gosh. All were carried along by the spiritual energy emanating from Srila Saraswati Thakur, who expressed his satisfaction with his disciples. Wow. He repeatedly stressed the importance of hearing and chanting, and typesetting, printing, going out to preach, distribute books and magazines. He desired that one way or other, his followers should always be busy in Kirtan and thus become purified. And he said, "A mut surcharged with talk of Krishna's glories and service is non-different from Vaikunta. Therefore, mut vas." is dhamvas, harikata must be prominent in the mutt. There's no use in constructing mutts, merely to facilitate eating and sleeping. They need be built only for broadcasting harikata, which will benefit ourselves and others. Often, without giving prior notice, Śrīla Saraswati Thakur would tell a disciple to go here or there to perform a particular task. And should means out of station to another place, another city or town. And should that devotee ask for time to prepare his belongings, Śrīla Saraswati Thakur would retort, your baggage will be sent after you. Go now. When a German devotee complained, Prabhupāda, We are accustomed to planning our activities in advance, sometimes up to three months. So I need at least a week's notice to get ready. Srila Saraswati Thakur responded, I get information five minutes before, so how can I inform you one week ahead? He's getting information from Lord Paramahma in the spiritual world, you know, only a few minutes before. (laughs) This reminds me, uh, if, if anybody's reading that, Dancing White Elephants, uh, it's only as Giriraj Swami's book. It's, it's ecstatic, by the way. Uh, this, Prabhupada did the same thing. The, the devotees would be, uh, this was approximately 70, 71. Uh, they were tra- the devotees were with Prabhupada traveling Gujarat and different places. And uh, once they were going back to Vrindavan, but they were in Delhi, and Prabhupada, they were on the train, you know, and Prabhupada told, uh, there were, I think there were three or four of them. He said, I want you four to get off here and open the temple in Delhi. And they had no money. They had nothing on them. And they did have a place to stay because there was one man that was offering, I can give you a place to stay. And it turns out that that place was a horrible place, but then somebody else after a while came with a better place. And they did know how to make life members, which, of course, is a big wealth, you know. So that's what they, he said, I want you to get off here and open the temple. And they said, okay. (laughs) And they did it. I mean, amazing, you know. So apparently he got that from his guru, Maharaj. Prabhupada got that from Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati. So uh, the next chapter that we're reading here is called Chanting the holy names. Srila Bhakti Saraswati was deeply attached to the holy names of Krishna. Whenever devotees inquired how to improve their bhakti and overcome anartas, he usually stressed the need to chant faithfully and offenselessly, quoting Lord Chaitanya's statement, "Iha hoite sarva siddhi hoibe sabar. By this alone, all perfection will come. Chant the Maha Mantra loudly and with attachment. This will drive away inertia, worldly ills and disturbances. He maintained that chanting the Lord's names is tantamount to directly seeing the Lord. The Lord and His name are one and the same. Chanting the Holy Name is equivalent to directly experiencing Him. He also stated, Krishna and Krishna Nam are not two entities. Krishna is his holy name and the holy name is Krishna. Krishna Nam is the son of Nanda, our Shama Sundar. Our only devotional service and duty is Sri Krishna Nam Sankirtan. This understanding is auspicious. He also said, Kirtan is meant for attracting the audience toward hearing. Some may say that Krishna is immoral or just another historical personality. So what is the use of hearing about him? We prefer to hear about the heroic activities of Napoleon, somebody may say. To relieve people from such a mentality, Krishna Kirtan is necessary. As deer and snakes can be charmed by music and songs, If harikata is presented in the form of songs, then even the minds of materialists will be attracted. Proper kirtan means to reject dry, unauthorized, and adverse kirtan. An incident in Srila Saraswati Thakur's childhood had much influenced his attitude toward kirtan and music. He was with his father, at Bhakti Bhavan when the brothers Dvijendranath and Rabindranath sons of the famous spiritualist and philosopher Devendranath Tagore a long standing dear friend of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's visited in 1881 I didn't know that he that, uh, he was a good dear friend of Tagore, very famous person in Bengal, right? I mean one of the if you ask who are the Bengalis that are the most famous, if you're in Bengal, you ask people that, and they'll always mention Tagore, right? Yeah, Rabindranath was the most famous, though, right? Yeah, his books and, yeah. So anyway, uh, Prabhupada, I mean, Bhaktisiddhanta met the brothers were there. You know, Vajindranath and Rabindranath were at his house in in and in 1881. And at that time, Rabindranath, who was barely 20 years old, recited a song about Krishna. Srila Saraswati Thakur later commented that his own strong uh, taste for hearing about the Lord became uh, strengthened after experiencing Rabindranath's sweet voice and enunciation of each word. Mm. Um, So, uh, several songs of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur formed the basis of the Gaudiya Moth liturgy along with some by Narottam Das Thakur and others. Being preachers, Śrīla Bhakti Vinod Thakur and Śrīla Narottam Das Thakur had penned many songs meant to help devotees at the stage of sadhana bhakti to systematically progress toward the perfectional stage of prema. So, um, So he was so fortunate to have all of his fathers Bhakti Shula Bhakti songs to, you know, and we're we're fortunate. We should probably take more advantage of it by singing them more often, I think. Yes, Pugu? is This all Yeah. Yeah. This chapter, you mean? No, this, this is on the, there's a chapter in between and then there's a the next chapter, chanting the holy names. So I have those two chapters. Yeah, chanting the holy names. Yeah. Srila Saraswati Thakur knew all of his father's songs by heart, for they were his heart, it says. Among his favorites were Gopinath, Radhakrishna Bol, Jayavada Madhava, Nam Kirtan, and Harinam Tuya Aneka swarup I don't even know that one, you know that one. Wow. Yes. Similarly, Prartana and Prema Bhakti Chandrika were practically his life breath from which he particularly relished Sri Rupa Manjari Pada, which he said should be kept by sadhakas as a garland around their neck. Sri Rupa, Rupa Manjari Pada. Beautiful song. Especially on the avirbhav titties of Vishnu avatars, he would have Sri Jayadeva Goswami's Dash avatar Strotra chanted. Before establishing Sri Purushottam mut, so that's at Puri, right? Purushottam Srila Bhakti Suranta Saraswati lived for two months with some disciples in a rented house in Puri. During that period, he sent them to the seashore in the early morning to congregationally chant the Panchatattva mantra. Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Nityananda, Sri Advaita Gadadhar, Sri Bhakti Vrinda. He explained that Ch- Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates were at that time coming to bathe in the sea. And then in the note down here it says, this statement is based on the understanding that the pastimes of Lord Chaitanya in Puri are eternally manifest, although only to sufficiently advanced and fortunate devotees. As per... Chaitanya Bhagavat where it says, even now Lord Chaitanya performs all these pastimes. Persons who are fortunate see them constantly. So in other words, he told them, okay, go down to the ocean and chant this because Lord Chaitanya and his associates are there right now. They're coming to bathe in the sea. Japa. Srila Saranta Saraswati often emphasized that those who do not chant at least one lack of names, which means 64 rounds a day, 64 mullas of Mahamantra Japa are considered fallen, if you don't do that. That's what he wrote. Okay, but then, I mean, uh, Sometimes if people were, if they were cooking all day long and performing puja and dressing the and this, they'd say we don't even have, we don't have time to chant 64 rounds. Maharaj is too much, you know. So he would just say, then you chant a certain amount on your mala, and the rest when you're doing your seva, you're, you're chanting out loud with your mouth, you know, and that's counted. He would say that, you know. During the day, remain busy in service. This is what this is him speaking. Due to other engagements, you might not chant a lack, but that should be your aim. If sometimes you are too busy during the day to chant on your mala, then instead of taking rest at night, chant. If you cannot finish your prescribed japa, then sleep less and chant. Do not increase your time for sleeping. Increase your chanting. Kirtaniya sada Always chant the holy name. Wake up with the holy name. Go on chanting throughout the day. Go to sleep with the holy name. If you practice this, naturally you will also chant while sleeping. According to the time available and individual ability, some rounds should be chanted on beads. When a disciple told him, we don't have time to chant one lakh, Srila Saraswati Thakur retorted, it is not that chanting is taking time from service or that service is taking time from chanting, but idle talks are devouring time meant for both. Stop Pujalpa, and you will find time to chant a lack. No doubt you are doing considerable service, yet simultaneously so much Prajalpa is going on. Stop wasting time. One lack of Harinam was the expected standard for pujaris and other mutvasis who generally did not go out to preach. Others were told to try to chant 64 mullas, or at least to progress toward that standard. Preachers and managers had no fixed time for japa, but were expected to chant at least 16 malas and otherwise be always busy in para-upakar, spiritual welfare work. Yet even though engaged in intense preaching, some sannyasis daily chanted a lack of names or more. Simad Bhakti Sri Rupa Puri Maharaj never ate anything or took even a drop of water before completing 64 rounds. Understanding the plight of many Grihastas, Sri Sarasvati Thakur advised some who had taken Harinam but not Diksha. So apparently Diksha just means Brahman initiation then, correct? Okay. We usually refer to Diksha as even Harinam, right? but but he didn't, apparently. At that time, they did a knot. There was Harinam, you get your name, and then second initiation, you get Diksha, Brahman, okay. Okay, so he told them who did not live at the mutt to chant at least four rounds. Well, When asked by Jati Shekhar Prabhu how to fix one's mind on the name while chanting, Srila Saraswati Thakur quoted, Nama Krishna's Krishna, Chaitanya Rasa Viga, Purnasuddha Nama Namino. The holy name of Krishna is transcendentally blissful. It bestows all spiritual benedictions for it is Krishna himself, the reservoir of all pleasure. Krishna's name is complete and is the form of all transcendental mellows. Okay, there's just a couple little sentences here. I can finish. Yea, nama se Krishna baza nishtakari. That name is Krishna. Resolutely worship the name. Um. So when uh, he asked his temple commander, this Jati Shekhar, you know, who was in charge of all the mutts, it says, to chant 64 rounds a day, he says, how is it possible? I have so many multiple duties. I have to attend temple functions, go outside for bhiksha. So he said, okay, then at least chant 32 malas per day. To chant 32 rounds. Shri the Bhakti said unto Saraswati recommended that while fingering Tulsi chanting beads, if you're fingering your japa, you should mentally touch them to the lotus feet of Lord Chaitanya. Good idea. Mentally touch your beads while you're chanting to the lotus feet of Lord Chaitanya. So I was just thinking the other day, geez, how fortunate... How I you know, I couldn't believe how my good fortune is somehow to you know take Diksha from Srila Prabhupada and and have Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur as we have him as our Param Guru, you know. We're so fortunate. It's where I like it's like wow. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable, really. So uh Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Thank you very much. You have a question? Yeah.
1: Do you understand what it means when he says to sacrifice the soul? because he said that uh, the his disciple had to sacrifice the soul for preaching or for doing other spiritual activities and
0: I don't understand what that means. Um I don't understand the question. What can somebody rephrase that? Or something yeah, go ahead. Well, I think as phrase as there, to sacrifice the soul, for
1: preaching. Yes. Yeah. yeah. microphone if you want. No, I mean, this is stuff. Uh, right, so they can hear it online, you know. Yeah, okay. Um, well, Well, the, the phrase we sacrifice is so for preaching. That's what we do. I mean, we give ourselves to the preaching, to the guru to preach. To sacrifice means you give. I'm sacrificing my money for the cause, so I'm giving myself, it's not like you're putting it on some altar and burning it like when, you know, for Moses, his firstborn son or something, you're giving yourself to the cause, yeah. that's one context, that's yourself, you soul. are soul, <clears throat> that's you, it's not like I'm a body; and I got a soul. You are. A soul. Okay. Your soul's your feet. Yeah, you can do that too.
0: Oh, sorry. One more, one thing I forgot to say is that um, uh, there's a, a Florida connection with this, with Maharaj's book Sri Bhaktisiddhanta by Baba. that um, in, in 1975, Prabhupada was in Miami, and it was. February like this month so and it was 49 years ago in other words He was in Miami and when he went to sit down in the Vyasasana on either side of him. There were two Chalk drawings this size Uh, One of bhakti-siddhanta and one of Prabhupada himself and on each side So Prabhupada was looking at both of them and he really appreciated them and he said who has done this and so we told him, dear disciple Kirti Mati Prabhupada, so our god-sister Kirti Mati had done these beautiful artworks, you know, and Prabhupada really liked them. So then when, this, when Maharaj was, uh, uh, Bhaktivita Swami was making this book, I, I happened to see him, I think, in Florida, and I just asked him how the book is coming. He said, well, I'm looking for a cover for the second volume. I said, oh, I said, you know, in Miami, they have that picture that Prabhupada really liked, you know, of, Shilabha, of his Guru Maharaj, and it's a chalk drawing. And, and so Maharaj told me, okay, just take it and take it to a, a professional scanner, a business scanner, and get it scanned in high resolution and email it to me and I'll use it as the cover. So he did, and this is that. If you want to, you can show them because it's hard to see from here. But this is a, it's a chalk drawing. It looks kind of like a photograph almost. And... Um, No, not Western. He said Vedic uh, and Western. Um, no. Did like I it I yeah. Oh, it said it? Oh, I read it. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Probably. The basis well, probably. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he understood the Western, too. He understood the Western, too.
1: What's
0: the basis of Western? Well, uh, Western doesn't use an Aya you know, so there's so it's like the calculations are. There's 23 degrees difference between the two, you know, um, but certain certain aspects of Western astrology you can use, such as the uh, the, uh, the degreeical difference between the planets, like uh, when the planets are squared, uh, they're ut, they're together, they're opposite. You can use that. And uh you can derive the meaning from that in Western astrology is pretty accurate, you know. So certain things like that. So maybe that I don't know what he was or what aspect of Western astrology he was utilizing, but I would imagine yeah, so, I mean, I just heard the other biography too. He's familiar with
1: Western
0: tradition,
1: Western astronomy, Western mathematics, Sanskrit and mathematics, Sanskrit astronomy. He was I was, I was reading the other biography. He was doing Jotisha, He did an almanac you, up until he did Sinyas and founded to the to Moth. He was still to some degree working with that. But then once he took Sinyas and started the Godia he kind of yeah. had other projects. I mean,
0: that's so nice class. Nice thank you. Oh, thank you. Cooper.